Happy New Year, and welcome to Tap to Craft, an educational podcast hosted by two craft beer enthusiasts, where we talk about craft beer in terms the everyday beer drinker can understand. My name is Denny Luce, and I'm joined by my co-host and my drinking buddy, John Ream. John, how are you doing in 2016? I'm happy we're about to drink, because, you know, the Cleveland Browns have completed their uh, biannual ritual, hired <laughs> their head coach and GM. Really? And so the life continues. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, was that a, that's a, is that a surprise though? Or is that, I mean, did they need to keep a head coach around longer than, how long was he there for a year and a half, a season and a half? Uh, two years this time. Was, was it two? Okay. The, the last guy was only one year. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. It seems like you need to keep him at least three years to see if if something's going to happen. I mean, that's what that's how long it kept Chip Kelly, right? Three years. Uh, some people say that that wasn't long enough, but I don't know. Uh, well, he, yeah, he, he needed a complete personnel change, so there's a com- a little different for somebody like like him. But yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. See who they who they pick to fire in a, in two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm still hoping that the Browns will get it right. You know, I, I knew they were in. I, I would have fired the head coach. Well, you know what? It wasn't the head coach's choice, probably. But as soon as they drafted Manziel, I probably would have fired someone because that was a pretty crappy decision, in my well, in my opinion. Rumor was ownership demanded that he was drafted. Yeah, so I figured only that. themselves to blame. Yeah, I figured that much. I figured that much. All right. Well, did you have a good Christmas and a good New Year? Yeah, we did. It was uh, some busy time with family, but then got to relax a little bit and just hang out with my boys. So that was nice. Okay. Got a lot more time than when I'm at work. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about you know some Christmas and New Year stuff a little bit later in the show. But before we get too far into it, let's just go ahead and explain to everyone what they're listening to. So this is episode 38, and we're recording it on Sunday, January 3rd, 2016. I see, I got it right. See, I'm I'm already <laughs> on board 2016. And in this episode, we have a brew buzz topic for you. We're going to be discussing the gluten-free, gluten-reduced beers what they're all about, and, and give you guys some examples of some beers that you might want to try if you want to you know, dive into that, uh, that type of beer. We've also got a listener question, and, of course, we've got a question for you out there, dear listener, uh, that we would love to hear your answers to. And we've got a little bit of news to talk about also, just because, you know, hey, there's been a little bit of news uh, since we last chatted. So, John... I know that uh, talking about beer can make us really thirsty, and I hope you have a beer sitting right there by you so you can quench that thirst. I do. At Christmas, my brother, uh, who came out here to watch the Browns get destroyed by Seattle, um, brought a couple beers uh, with him, and uh, one of them was is from Rockmill Brewery, uh, which is a place in Lancaster, Ohio, and this is actually a gluten-free Saison. Um, oh, nice! Brought out uh, this brewery. I think exclusively does um, Belgian and farmhouse type ales. Okay, and uh, I think this is their only gluten-free beer that they offer. Okay, um, but uh, it's relatively new. Um, but uh, it's it's made with uh, malted millet and buckwheat, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's it's got a, a really strong orange uh, character to it. Okay. Uh, not as much carbonation as I'd like in a saison. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty low, and I think that's kind of contributing to a kind of thick mouthfeel, which it isn't really what a, what you look for. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if it was a little more carbonated and a little spritzier, this would be uh, actually pretty refreshing. And, um, and but, what's the name on, of this beer? Did you mention that? Uh, maybe not. It's Rock Mill Brewery's uh, War on Wheat. War on Wheat. Yeah, I love the name. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure that <laughs> our listeners knew the name because I, I love the play on, you know, beer names that play on something. And I thought that's pretty cool. It's War on, on Wheat. So Yeah. yeah and uh, I've, so I've got a nice 750 mil bottle here that I'm going to be working through. Oh, wow. Show, so. Wow. A big bottle. You know what? That's what I find that a lot of times when when a brewery does have just like a one off gluten free beer, uh, they you know usually they're going to put it in a, a bigger bottle. It seems like I, I see a lot of bigger bottles. If not the full seven fifty, then at least uh, what's the sixteen point nine? Is that five hundred milliliter? Is that yeah sixteen point nine? I think yeah yeah okay. Well, good. Well, yeah. I I mean I enjoy a good saison and. Uh, so I think it's a good way of, of hiding some of the maybe some of the flavors that you might get off of using other than than wheat but you know malted barley kind of can can hide some of those uh, those flavors. So all right, well I am also drinking and I'm drinking a beer that I I'm just tasting for the first time as we are chatting right now. Uh, it's by Oscar Blues, which is a brewery outside uh, in Colorado. And it's called their – I've been waiting for this beer to come out in our area for a long time. I've been advertising it like crazy for the last couple of months, and I thought we were going to miss out on it in the Boise area. But nope. Lo and behold, right after Christmas, it came to as a, as a belated Christmas present to all the, the people here in the Boise area. But it's that Death by Coconut Irish Porter. And uh, there's been a lot of coconut – porters and coconut beers out lately i've had a, a number of them and it's kind of nice and refreshing to have some nice coconut in my darker beer and this is a great beer so far it's uh it's an irish porter so it's not um as heavy on the uh, on the roasted malt that i'm used to i don't know is that st- i'm not familiar with irish porters as as much john is that typical that an irish porter may not have uh a, a heavy you know, hit on the, the roasted malt? Uh, well, porter in general is going to be less roasty than a, than a stout. I've never heard the term Irish porter before. Mm. Um, I know the Irish stout, which, yeah. uh, tends to be really dry, you know, not, not much residual sweetness to it. Uh, so maybe that's kind of what they were going for. I don't know without, you know, having yeah. it in front of me, but, so, uh, so you haven't, so you haven't tried it yet then. No, but it sounds like I need to go pick it up because if I can, if they got it out here, because uh, it's definitely a beer I know Kristen would enjoy. So I, I'll tell um, you that um, I like it, and I've heard mixed reviews on this. I think some people either love it or they hate it, and it comes off the the, the front a little bit, comes across a little bit. Maybe it might be sweet, but in my honestly, it 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 really finishes kind of on a drier side for as much uh, sweetness as a, as you feel in the beginning it should be it, it really dries out fairly nice uh, so yeah give it a shot I think you and Kristen will enjoy it 
I'm I'm enjoying it right now. I bought a four pack. I gave one to my buddy Sean. Um, I'm drinking my first one right now. I'm hoping to share one or two with my son uh, when he comes over to watch some football next weekend. So, uh, yeah, give it a shot. Well, do. So, talking of, before we get into our noteworthy beers and stuff, um, you know, we did uh, record before Christmas, and I always like to ask, uh, you know, if you received any cool beer-related Christmas gifts this year. Uh, no. What? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I got a t-shirt, um, from Buckeye Lake Brewery, uh, and then I got some brewing gloves for home brewing. Whoa. That's all my, my beer stuff was this year. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a little, uh, departure from, from normal. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was still good. And I ended up actually buying myself a big brewing, uh, gift for Christmas. I got a conical fermenter. No so way! Nice stainless steel, beautiful thing, and sitting in my garage right now. What what so, size is it? Uh, it's fourteen gallons. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so <laughs> holy smokes, fourteen! Wow, fourteen! So what? Uh, well, you, oh my gosh! I have so many questions for you, <laughs> but I don't know. Should we do a show on what you're? Let's do a show on what you're going to use that conical fermenter for. I mean, just you know. We'll save it. We'll keep it. We'll keep our listeners want to come back to find out the mystery behind John's new purchase. Because I'm, that's the first I've heard of it. I'm pretty excited. That's that's like you're on your way to, you know, to consumer level brewing here with with that type of uh, hardware. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Yeah. So I'm uh, I haven't brewed in it yet. I'm still getting temperature control and all my fittings just just right before I put a beer into it and try not to ruin it. Um, but, (laughs) Mm. uh, so I'm hoping maybe next weekend or the weekend after I'll be finally brewing. All right. I've got all my ingredients ready to go once I have the fermenter ready to go. So, all right. Well, you know what? You gotta, you gotta blog about it on brewengineer.com. We'll do I've already got a a post started and pictures. All right. Good. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's exciting news. I'm all. I'm all. Uh, I don't know. I. I can't focus right now. I'm thinking about this. You know, big giant conical fer- fermenter you have in your garage. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, how about you? Did you get any uh, cool beer gifts? I. I did. I get a couple. Uh, I'll talk about two of them right now, and I'll talk about two of them or one of them. Uh, actually, I'll talk about two of them in our noteworthy beers. So. Uh, I did receive from uh, a gift of a book. I got a nice hardbound book. The book is uh, called The Complete Beer Course by Joshua Bernstein. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a nice overall book that talks about the whole beer process, you know, everything about craft beer. It kind of, it, it's, it's kind of meant for maybe people that are, uh, just getting into craft beer. And even some people like myself that have actually been around it for a while, but just want to have a guide that, that kind of fills in some of the gaps and gives you a little bit more information and talks about all the different beer styles. It's, uh, it gives, you know, a couple beers that you should try that, to, that, you know, are, are good beers of that style and the glass, you know, glassware, the, all the processes of brewing. It even has a, a section on gluten free beers. It has a lot of information in there, easy to read. 
Uh, so far, I've, I'm, I'm only, it's like a 310 page book and I'm, I've only read like the first 40 pages. So I got a long way to go, but I've really enjoyed what I've read already. And it's going to be a great book as a resource that I could quickly look at, you know, and, and, you know, when I, I need to find out what a, you know, a certain hop, uh, you know, profile is like, uh, I can quickly go to the little hop page and, and look and gives you a little, quick little synopsis of that pro of that hop and I, i'm pretty excited i really i was shocked when i got that i got it from my stepmother who you know always looks for you know gifts that would uh, you know that people really enjoy and she really hit it like uh, right on the, the hit the uh, nail right on the head for me because i really am enjoying that book have you heard of that book john i have that book on my shelf actually oh do you what do you, you like yeah did you enjoy that um, book too or i actually didn't get all the way through it mm-hmm. um to be honest i just ended up that year i got like five or six yeah. books all about brewing and beer and so bouncing between them it eventually just fell off the radar yeah um yeah. but yeah I, I need to get back to it but yeah it does break down all the the major styles and stuff like that i mean it, and it's at least what i went through it it was really approachable so yeah very approachable um, very approachable i that's the first thing i notice is man how e- how easy it was just to get into it and and understand what he's trying to say he's, he's a very good writer that just you know that people that you can easily understand and he, he has a good way of bringing it all about so what i was thinking is that throughout this year i'm probably gonna you know uh, do you know go ahead and grab a few little snippets and of the information and just give it to our listeners, you know, the little side things that he throws out in here because he has a lot of good little tips and good little, uh, informational stuff that, that is just trivia kind of stuff. And that might be fun for our listeners to get a little, you know, little beer trivia or beer knowledge that, that this guy can provide and all. Yeah. I thought I might do that. Uh, so that's the first, that, that's, that's the main one I got. The other one was from my loving wife who, who, knows me well and knows that that I tend to to be a little bit of a collector and I've been collecting beer caps to uh, you know use for a, a a project and she's getting tired of seeing them collect in around you know my office and downstairs and in the living room and everywhere there's beer caps everywhere so she bought me this uh this wall art and it's a like a boxed glass frame that's uh, about a 1 inch Deep box with a gla- you know nice glass cover that says uh, uh, "Save Water, Drink Beer," and there's a slot in the top, and you can just drop your caps in there, and it fills up a 16 by 20 frame, and you can make some beer art for the wall. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And now she can, you know, help me make use of some of these bottle caps that I've been saving for when I make my my bottle cap art. Which is never going to happen, so I might as well put it in a frame, or give him, <laughs> or give him the Chris McKenzie, which I was tempted to do. And I know he's going to be doing a, a tabletop or something he wants to do. So, um, sorry, Chris, it might be all going into my frame right now instead of going to you. But that's nice. I've I've also got some wall art that I'm working on. Ah, um, with beer caps. I uh, last year my brother gave me a uh, laser cut or like laser. Yeah, laser cut um, Washington State map with oh, yeah. room for a whole bunch of uh, beer caps. I've seen those. And I'm trying to fill it with only 
caps from Washington State. Yeah. Um, which is making it a slow going because n- a lot of breweries don't have branded caps. Yeah. They're yeah. just standard, like black, black or, or like silver that. or so, gold. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm up to like six out of like the <laughs> 60 that I need to fill it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll get there. Okay. Get well, there someday. Well, you, you know, Black Raven had caps on theirs. I have a Black Raven one. Do you have a Black Raven? The the Black Raven I just bought has black caps on it. So, oh. Yeah. Oh, they must have gone cheap because I I have uh, some when I went there. Actually, maybe it was from a bottle you gave me. There was a, a Black Raven cap. Okay. Well, you know what? You'll be able to do it. Just uh, work hard and maybe I will. Uh, oh, No Lie has uh, caps. You have No Lie? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, no, I don't have that one in there yet already, already but I they are easy to, to grab. Okay. So. All right. Well, if I have to, I will dig through mine and pull out the Washington ones and send you so you can fill up that beautiful wall art. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to drink the beer in a minute. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate the offer. Hey, hey you're, you know what? You got this last year. It's been a year, and you only have six caps. Come on, man. You're doing a horrible job. Yeah. Well, I don't always remember. <laughs> when I'm drinking. So, <laughs> all right, all right. So, since you didn't really well besides buying yourself that that great beer gift, uh since you didn't really get any any notable beer gifts, how about New Year's? Did you do anything fun or exciting or something that's worth talking about over the New Year's celebration? Almost. Uh then we didn't. Oh. <laughs> Oh man, come on! No, we uh, so we were planning to grill some nice steaks and you know hang out, maybe watch a movie uh, before uh, midnight, and and then by the time we got the boys down, we were both just kind of looking at each other like, yeah, we're getting old (laughs) and we're tired, and so we went through the freezer and pulled out a bunch of appetizers and just put those in the toaster oven and ate those, (laughs) and. uh, I did pull some nice beers out, uh, one of which I'll talk about in my <laughs> okay. noteworthy. Um, but yeah, it was really low key, which was actually nice. Um, yeah. It was time for Chris and I to hang out, just the two of us, uh, which we hadn't actually really been able to do much mm-hmm. over the break because family and everything yeah, else. So yeah. um, it ended up being nice, uh, not making a big production out of everything um, and just enjoying each other's company. But um, yeah, it was almost really awesome okay then it just ended up being nice that's okay how about you how was your your new year's i had a busy week uh well right before new year so the the 30th we went over to my buddy adam's house he just bought a a new house a bigger house for his family he was in a you know his wife and him got married uh nine years ago and and when they got married it was just the two of them and she already had a small little two-bedroom cottage house a real small thing it was probably like 900 square feet or less. And uh, over the next nine years, they've had two kids and two dogs. And that little house just wasn't enough for them. So they finally were able to, to get to a point where they could go and, and buy a bigger house. And they bought a, an older house, but it's, a, it's, a, it's like three times the size of the house they had before. And uh, they invited us and a few other uh, work, friends from work over for dinner on Wednesday night, the 30th. And we had a great time, uh, just felt, you know, fellowship, just drinking and, and eating and, and staying up late. Uh, and it, so we did that on the 30th, which is like a pre New Year's party, which was fun. 
And then on New Year's, we got invited to my buddy Sean's house, and we he had a bunch of people over, and we had all kinds of food, and we had more food than the whole neighborhood could eat. I swear, it was like so much food. He he smoked a tri tip, and we had he he made these uh, homemade uh, uh, chili pop. Uh, jalapeno poppers that had cream cheese bacon little smokies in them that were like loaded on fire i i literally ate ate one and my throat like blistered for up you know for 15 minutes after i ate it i love those things i bring them whenever we have to bring stuff for uh like a sporting event or oh yeah yeah they were good it's just that it was it was literally like like russian roulette right you don't know if that one's going to be burning hot or mild and it yeah. just happens that I always got the ones that were burning <laughs> hot. So, but that, that was cool. And he had, uh, you know, drink some good beers there. We just had, we played Cards Against Humanity, which, um, you know, that game is fun in, in limited amount of play. I, I couldn't play it all the time. I think once a year is about my limit because, uh, that, that is a pretty crude game. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but it was fun for, for, you know, in a big, group atmosphere where you have a lot of people uh it, it, it can really be fun to hear what different things come out of people's minds with with the questions and stuff uh and, and then the day after we uh went to oh no the day after we kind of oh we you know what the day after we we went out with some of uh, my wife's friends and we went to a mexican restaurant and we went to the bar we went to twisted timber which is the brew pub here and right the closest one to my house after that, and we stayed again, stayed out until, till, almost midnight, just having a you know good time, uh, eating and drinking, and so I had like three nights in a row that I'm up to, you know, past midnight, and that's from a guy that is in bed by nine thirty every night. So for me, that's a a pretty substantial party period, three days in a row. And then last night, we went to my son's house to watch the I won't you know the the game. The game that shall not be mentioned, although it was like the best, you know, the 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 best bowl game of the entire uh, bowl series so far, because everything else was like blowouts. This was this game was uh, fixing to be a blowout uh, until we just got blown out. So, yeah, but you know what? On, on the plus side, because it was fixing to be a blowout, I think everybody just turned it off and nobody saw it. Nobody saw it? <laughs> <laughs> it was just sad. So if anyone doesn't know, it was the Oregon TCU Alamo Bowl, and Oregon came out in the first quarter, scored 21 points. And uh, in the second quarter, in the beginning of the second quarter, our quarterback uh, got hit in the head, probably uh, got pulled out for a stinger or a concussion, and right after that, we lost our center. And the our backup quarterback, as anyone knows that watched Oregon at all when we had our backup in this year, was not the greatest. But you know what? It makes it even worse when the center you put in can't freaking snap the ball. And I swear, two out of three snaps was at the quarterback's feet. And he's, you know, diving for the ball, trying to not, you know, cause a fumble. Uh, yeah, we quickly lost a 21 point lead. In fact, we didn't score another point until, uh, I, I actually think we had 24 points. I think we kicked the field goal, but we didn't kick another, we didn't score another point until, uh, the overtime, uh, when we went to overtime. Uh, and then we went to three overtimes and lost in the third overtime. So, yeah, the TCU came back from a 21 point deficit or 24 point deficit 
uh, to uh, to beat us by uh, six points or seven points or eight points or whatever it was. <laughs> it's only six. Don't worry about it. Was it six? Okay. Yeah. Whatever it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was sad. So. Yeah, but oh well. We got next next year. Hopefully, we'll have a another. We the, Oregon did just get a uh, another transfer. So one year transfer, like he did with with Vernon Adams, they they just got him for one year, and hopefully this guy will come in and give us at least one more year of a decent, uh, decent season, bef- so we can get ourselves a franchise or at least a four year quarterback that's going to be, hopefully at least, somewhat close to Mariota's uh, caliber because we need some good quarterback in in there. All right. Well, hey, that's enough uh, of that. Uh, but I did have a good New Year's. Uh, I do go back to work tomorrow. You go back to work tomorrow, John? Yep. Okay. So I'm not looking forward to that. It's going to be hard to get adjusted to uh, to that crazy life. But it was nice to be out of the office for, for a while. All right, John. Let's get into our new and noteworthy beers. And you mentioned that uh, you had a, some uh, some noteworthy beers uh, from the Christmas time. Yeah, so I uh, mentioned I had some nice stuff on New Year's, mm-hmm. and one of those was the Lagunitas Bitter Oats, uh, which is a Imperial IPA Oh that wow! is awesome. Uh, it was really, really good, and it's just a one-off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first of their 2016 one-hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to try it, go look for it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, tons of hop character, a lot of tropical, like resiny type hops. Um, I, it was the the best beer that I probably had over the the whole break. Oh wow! Um, so I, I really really liked it. I'm probably gonna try to see if I can find some more. Okay. Uh, before before it goes away. So so I need to find it and then buy a six pack, right? If they've got six pack, I only saw a bomber. Oh, they're um, in bombers. So okay, six pack of bombers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll do it. Um, but yeah, no, a definite recommendation if if you can find it. Um, and then if you were following along on uh, Twitter Untapped, uh, you saw that I I realized I needed to clear out some space in my fridge um, mm-hmm. on my shelf that can fit bombers. Uh, it was full to the front. Um, so I just started, uh, pulling bombers out to, uh, to enjoy. And one of those on Christmas was the stone farking Wheaton loot stout for this year. Okay. Uh, which I really enjoyed the, the bourbon char- character was nice and, and melded in. Uh, and I mean, it, it was the, it was definitely the focal point in the beer, but mm-hmm. it, it was, it didn't feel overbearing. Okay. Um, and it, uh, it was just really smooth and, um, it was very helpful with the the in-laws and all the craziness that was going on in our house <laughs> at the time. Yeah. So um, how long had you had that one for? Had you been saving it for a while? Uh, probably f- six months, maybe. Okay. Okay. Because uh, I had that beer and drank it fresh, and the bourbon was way crazy. I mean, it, it was way overpowering, the flavor was to me, and I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the previous um, Woot Stout. So I wonder if, if because you saved it an extra six months, if that that bourbon flavor uh, mellowed out a little bit and kind of worked into the beer and, and brought out, you know, wasn't wasn't the 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 main 
focal point. It was kind of it kind of blended in with the rest of the stout. Yeah, it's possible. Um, it was one I bought to drink with Kristen, and then at the time it just didn't work out, and so it got stuck in the fridge, and then got more stuff pushed in front of it, so we forgot about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I found it again, and and we were able to enjoy it. So, yeah, it, it may have just needed a little extra time for that to mellow out a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, if if you're sitting on one, uh, I recommend drinking it. It was was really good. (laughs) I'm not sitting on one, but uh, I I drank the one I bought. But but if you are out there, listener, drink it. Drink it now. Definitely. Definitely. Um, And the last one I'll talk about uh, was another one I found in the back of the fridge uh, between Christmas and New Year's. And that was a 2013 version of the Stone Old Guardian. Mm, Wow. And... I was a little, a little hesitant, because um, you know we we've talked before about how hops are the first thing to go, and I was, you know, worried that it might end up being really sweet or something like that. But I tell you what, it still had plenty of uh, bitterness and mm-hmm. everything in there. It was not just a big malt bomb. Yeah, um, it was really nice, and I guess it really shouldn't surprise me because Stone likes to hop the crap out of everything. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it and uh, pleasantly surprised because I, I was definitely a little hesitant going in. And I, I even when I poured it, I told Chris and I was like, hey, if this is bad, I'll go get something else because I'm not sure what the state of this is going to be. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was kept refrigerated the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that probably helped slow some things down um, that, that could have adversely affected the beer. Well, I uh, I have aged a number of these gar- old guardians, and none of them have been bad. Every as it ages, it gets better. I, in fact, just a few months ago, I drank one that I aged. Uh, I think it was 2014 that I aged for a year, and I I think I mean I have no problem aging them. I I think they age well. Yeah, you know every every beer is different, and I this was the oldest I'd ever had an old guardian go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it was uncharted territory. Yeah. Um. But uh, it it excelled, so oh good. I was pleasantly surprised. So uh, yeah, so you you also mentioned you had some uh, some nice beers and, and some gifts gift beers. Yes. So, uh, wh- wh- what did you uh, have, please, in your palate? All right, I'm going to start off on the lighter side. One I just had, I had it last night with my son. I, I bought two bottles. I bought one to share on the New Year's Eve night with my buddy Sean. And I bought another one to share with my son last night. So I've had two bottles of this beer, and I really, really enjoy it. And it is from Ballast Point. It's part of their homework series. So I didn't realize that Ballast Point Brewing all originated from a like a homebrew mart, like a brew mart shop thing where they were making homebrew or making beer at this sh- shop, and then they turned it into a commercial operation. Did you know that, John? That Ballast no. Point started out as a like a homebrew shop brew. And so this is a throwback to those early days. They do these homework series, and this one they, they just released at, at the end of the year was the reboat the <laughs> I'm having trouble talking, the Robust Porter. And whenever I see the name Robust Porter, I just have to I have to buy it. I'm gonna I know I'm gonna enjoy it because I love a good robust porter. Um, and it didn't let me down. Uh, this beer is, is really a great, uh, 
solid porter, uh, robust porter with some good roast, roasted malt flavor. Um, it's not too heavy as far as the body. The body is, is more maybe a medium body, but the flavor is really, really nice. And what's even better is that when you buy this beer, it comes with the homebrew recipe for you to homebrew it on a five-gallon homebrew system. And uh, if you enjoy the beer, hey, it, they tell you what to buy to brew it at home and, and you know, do it yourself. What do you think? Feel free of- to send that my way. Okay. <laughs> so you know what, John? I am going to – I'm going to take a copy of that. I'm going to send it to you because uh, it, for one thing, though, maybe you should try to find it and see if you – it's a 22-ounce bomber. Uh, it's reasonably priced. It was like 4 bucks. So it's a really – I mean, honestly, it's a pretty good price beer and – um, which is surprising, right? Because we were t- talking about how Ballast Point typically has higher end costs for, for beers. And so to have a $4 beer, you know, 22 ounce bomber beer is, is not bad from them. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'd love to, to see you try it to make sure you like it. But I, I really enjoy this beer, but, uh, I'll send you the recipe anyway. You can look it over and see if it's, if anything stands out that might be different than what you've brewed in the past. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, look for it, but I, I trust you enough to brew a, a batch off of it. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I really liked it. I, again, I had two bottles, and out of both bottles, uh, they were both good. So it wasn't a one-off thing that I just had drank a few, you know, extra good beers and then felt like, yeah, this is a good porter. I, it, it was actually a good porter. So the other two beers, um, both came from my son. Uh, one was actually his Christmas gift. Uh, that's the one I'll talk about first. He, he got this gift from his wife and it's from, it's the Goose Island Bourbon County brand stout 2015. Uh, and he shared it with me and I thought that was great. Uh, I've never had a Goose Island, uh, Bourbon County brand stout before. I, it seems like when they come, they, they, to our area, they are gone very quickly, and with the premium price tag that they, you know, you know have, uh, it's something that I just never had tried. But uh, I felt very lucky to be able to that my son wanted to share that with me, and we enjoyed it the day after, the day after uh, Christmas. And uh, I'll tell you, here's my tasting notes. Uh, the nose, uh, I I poured this beer into snifter glasses, and when I first would put my nose to it. I thought I was going to hate this beer because the bourbon aroma is so strong out of this beer. I mean, crazy, crazy strong. Now, again, we're drinking it fresh in 2015. I know that this beer is often aged, um, and people say that you probably should age it for some time and, and try it. it. might, you know, tone out, tone down a little bit. But uh, the aroma was huge. But I was so surprised after I actually took a sip that that strong bourbon aroma was not as strong in the flavor. And I had some great vanilla, some uh, oakiness, vanilla, some maybe a little cocoa in there, a lot of flavors in this beer that came out that just made me excited. Uh, made me excited, and I think I – I don't know if I gave it a four and a half or a five. I think I gave it a five cap rating on untap because I thoroughly enjoyed this beer – from the very first sip to the last sip that I had. Uh, so, John, ha- 
you've had this beer in the past. Have you had the 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 most recent uh, offering? No, I missed it this time around. Um, and it's actually been I think two years now since I've two years I've had it. Uh, but um, yeah, I I've really enjoyed it in the past. Um, I know the the coffee version is uh, our buddy Wes's. Like, yeah, one of his top beers. Um, so, uh, but yeah, uh, this year it just didn't work out with me getting out and, and getting a bottle. And last year I was traveling, um, when it was released. So, ah, okay. Uh, yeah. You gotta be fast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I was surprised. It may be the only time in my life that I actually get to try it. So I feel, I felt pretty honored that, uh, you know, that they've, that she didn't know what she got, right? She just asked the guy at the store. She happened to be at the right time and said, Hey, what's your most unique beers? And she got that one and she got the other one for me. Uh, so for my Christmas present from them was the Firestone Walker 19th anniversary ale. And this is the beer that Robert was drinking on the podcast when he was getting, <laughs> getting ripped. And I know why, because these beers are like high octane, like 14, like nearly 14% alcohol, both of those, I think. And, uh, I was shocked when I opened up my gift and I saw what she had got. I was like, you know what you actually got? This is a, I mean, this is a incredible beer, uh, to begin with. It's, it's outside of my price range that I <laughs> want to pay. But, uh, but she said, yeah, the guy said it was unique in that, uh, he only had one left, so he got. She got the last Bourbon County, and she got the last nineteenth you know, Firestone Walker nineteenth oh, anniversary. Man. Talk about uh, living right when you <laughs> get there for the the last one of those two. Yeah, so. yeah. So this beer was incredible. Also, I I mean, it is so well done. So many flavors. So much going on in it. Uh, I never expected that. Uh, and it's a blended beer. For anyone who doesn't know, it's a blended beer of four different beers. There's, uh, 33% of, of two different styles. And then the other two portions are, are, are third, whatever, half of 32, 33. So thir- 12 and a third or whatever, 12 and a half. But, um, it's, it's a mixture of like, uh, uh, Russian Imperial stouts. They're, you know what? Hold on, let me just reach up and get the the box real quick. What's cool is that this beer comes in a box, and inside the box, there is a sheet of paper where they explain the history of the you know what they're doing with these with this uh, with these beers and and how much work goes into it and the final blend and it explains what the flavors you're going to get and such and it, it actually uh, explains the uh, the blend so the final blend was uh 33% of the parabola which uh, is a russian imperial oatmeal stout that's aged in bourbon barrels the other 33% is from their sticky monkey um which is also aged in bourbon and brandy barrels it's a, it's a quad uh and that's 12.3% and the other one was 13% so these are big beers then the, the other 16.6% uh are two things from their bravo also aged in bourbon and brandy barrels, which is an imperial brown ale, and their velvet merkin, which is a barrel-aged oatmeal stout. And uh, so you got four different beers they blend into those proportions to get this uh, final beer, which is incredible. I mean, they really do a good job 
of uh, of blending these beers. And they said that the, the finished beer is a rich, chocolatey, chewy brew with brandy-soaked raisin and holiday fruitcake flavors. Wow. Um, that's about, that, that about sums it up. It's just got some great, you know, some great flavors in it. Have you had this, this uh, 19th anniversary, John? That's another one that I missed this year. Um, but I had bought the previous four or five versions. I've got three or four bottles of previous versions in the fridge right now, actually. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> so this is one that I would buy two of and drink one and save one. Mm. So, um, but, yeah, I, I I love these blends every year. Yeah. So. Yeah, so here's a story on this, right? I got We got this Christmas morning. We get done opening presents and stuff. It was about 10 o'clock, and I told my son, and it was uh, – uh, it it was sitting out in their car uh, when it you know when on the right it was it was really cold this Christmas here like ten degrees or whatever so it was already chilled and uh, when I opened it I put it in the fridge just to chill it just a little bit more and when we served it it was like at the perfect serving temperature I decided at ten a.m. in the morning I broke this bottle open and said hey son it's ten a.m. on Christmas uh, let's start drinking early. And we drank that bottle. Uh, not only drank that bottle, I opened another bottle, which I don't remember what it was. It, oh, you know what it was? It was another Russian Imperial Stout from uh, from a California brewery, uh, Moy Moykin Moylan Moylans Moylans. Yeah, it was their bourbon. Bur- I'm looking for the bottle in my. Uh, oh yeah, there's an Imperial Stout. The and it was uh it was in rye whiskey barrels. Oh man, really good. Uh really good beer. Again, it was like 13%. So we drank two 13% beers before like 11:30. We drank both those bottles and then I had one more beer. Oh, I had the uh Oh my gosh, I can't remember. Oh, it was the Mother of Storms. Mm. The uh, I, I opened one of my Mother of Storm and shared that with my. So we had three big beers. Uh, I drank all. We drank all three of those um, before two o'clock, and by two o'clock I was done. I I, uh, I said, "Yeah, I'm drinking water the rest of the day." Uh, you know, drinking those big beers early in the morning with not much in your stomach uh, wasn't a smart idea. I don't recommend that. So. But hey, we went big on Christmas Day, um, yeah. So I wanted to share that with everyone. And if you guys have a chance of picking these beers up, please go out and find them. They are fantastic. Uh, I think you'll enjoy them. All right, uh, I just want to plug our Facebook page. Hey, you know what? If you want to continue uh, interacting with us, you know, you like what you hear, you want to ask us a question, you want to respond to something we say in a show, go to our Facebook page at Facebook slash or Facebook.com slash tap the craft. Look for our show post that's on there. Look for a question we post. Look, add your own question, add to our wall, do whatever. Go ahead and interact with us and we'll get back with you and we'll talk about it on the Facebook page and we'll bring it to the show. It's your way as a listener to be a part of our show. So go out there and, and check it out. And I, I really want to uh, raise my glass right now here early to our buddy Chris McKenzie, who does a great job of helping us out on that site. 
You know, he's always got good articles he's posting and good interactions. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Chris, for all your hard work. Really appreciate it. Okay, so we do have one listener question that was asked by our buddy Robert at TPS Sponge on Twitter. He asked, what are your 2016 craft predictions? And he says his are that Sours will be the new IPAs. He says they're perfect entryway for wine drinkers. So, John, what do you think about Robert's prediction? And then what is your predictions, maybe one or two predictions you might have for the craft beer industry in 2016? So I think one thing that you'll probably agree with is that <laughs> I don't agree with Robert. Yeah, yeah, I don't, <laughs> um, I don't either. I think Sours are, are – I think they're on their way up, and I think mm-hmm. they'll continue to uh, grow in popularity. But – I don't think that they're going to be the next IPA. No. Um, I know a lot of people that enjoy craft beer a lot that still, they, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It just, it doesn't taste right. It's, you know, it seems bad, you know, cause it's sour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it's definitely acquired taste. Um, you know, even people coming from wine, I mean, it's not the same profile. Yeah. Um, the, the stuff that, uh, is used to make sour beers sour, uh, is like black death for wineries. Like if anything is found, <laughs> if any barrel or anything is found with any of that stuff in it, like that barrel and everything around it is going to be tossed because they can't risk a, a larger infection. Yeah. It's cause it's contamination. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think they're, they're going to continue to grow. Um, you know, just because the, the population of craft beer drinkers is, is growing as well. And, you know, there's going to be more people that, that will grow to like them. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think they're going to be the next, you know, every brewery has four versions of a, of an IPA type thing. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah. Um, you know, outside of that, I, at least, I, we, we might, we might be in, in lockstep actually in quite a few of these. Cause I, this is more something I really hope happens and I've been hoping happens. Um, is that session beers are going to be bigger. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also something that's kind of starting to happen. Um, and hopefully that trend continues. Mm hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think part of it is, it's just a natural, uh, you know, pushback from the market, you know, for a long time, everything had to be bigger, bolder, and yeah. aged in more barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, you know, the price of those beers and, um, you know, just flooding the market with them and not all of them turn out, um, yeah, I think it's going to push people back to, you know what? I want to have more than one beer Yeah, <laughs> when yeah. I sit down and have a beer. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely something I'm, I'm hoping for, uh, as a prediction anyway. Um, and my last one, I think, you know, with all the acquisitions, I think people are going to start caring less. Yeah. I think it's just going to become background noise. Um, I think there were AB InBev bought 
four places last year. And towards the end of the year, um, you know, one of which we're going to talk about later with Breckenridge and mm-hmm. a couple that we mentioned last time, there wasn't much noise about it. Um, you know, without one of the really, really big breweries um, selling out or being bought, uh, I, I think it's just going to become part of the of the market. I don't. I don't think it's going to create as much outrage anymore. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. How about you? What it? What are your predictions? Okay, I agree with the, the your agreement on the sours. I um, sours is another one of those beer styles that is very polarizing. You either like it or you don't. There is a small people that can eventually be in the middle, but for most part, you either like it or you don't. And if you if you don't like it, then you don't like it, and you're not gonna. You know, it's gonna. It's very hard to to overcome that. And because sours these days, there's a lot of variation in the way people breweries are doing sours and and how they're turning out and what kind of uh, you know some of these sours can really have some negative qualities to them. That uh, if not done right, it's gonna turn people off to 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 that style. So. Um, I agree that sours are becoming more prominent, but yeah, it's no way gonna ever, it's gonna come up even close to the way the IPA did. Uh, again, it's a different situation. When the IPAs blossomed and kind of spear rocketed up, um, at that point, craft breweries needed, they, you know, you needed something to, to make it different from what the everyday, uh, big beer was making. And what was that difference? Hops. And because, you know, the IPAs had that hop, had that flavor, had that something else that you weren't getting from the other beers. It had, you know, a, a draw to it. It had my draw to me. I was, when I first started having IPAs and I had them early on, like, I mean, I already talked about my, my beer travels, you know, back in the, in the, in the late nineties, I first had IPAs and fell in love with, with that. And from that point on, I went for like, you know, four, to six years where all I drank was IPA early on in, in, the, in the whole IPA thing. And now, um, for me, I love IPAs, but, uh, I have, I've outgrown that IPA phase and I've into this phase where I want to be able to enjoy beers, all different styles for what they can give me. Cause now I've, I've matured and that's leads me right into what you said, John, with the, the sessionable ales. I really think that, and I really hope that there'll be more sessionable ales, not necessarily sessionable IPAs. I mean, sessionable beers of all styles that don't need to, to throw in a high ABV just to attract customers. Um, you know, I want to be able to have an, you know, flavor and have a good beer, but in a, in, in a normal, uh, alcohol volume that I can drink several of them without, ha- you know, getting uh, inebriated. And uh, I'll tell you what really kind of brought that to light. And I, and it's, it's a, it's a positive negative. It's, it's going to, to Utah and having to drink beers on tap that are of 4% or less. When you're forced to drink beers that are in that alcohol level, I mentioned it when I visited Avenues proper. It wasn't that big a deal for me because the beers they were serving are actually beers that should be served at, you know, around that, that alcohol level. I mean, sure, you get a pale ale and, 
uh, an IPA, you're going to want to have, I, you know, alcohol levels that are a little bit higher than the 4%, you know, because that's typical of that style. But all those other odd styles, you know, the Saisons and the, the, the Gozas and, and even the Porter, you can have a good Porter. An English Porter is going to be 4%, right? It's not going to be 6%, 7% like we get for the American Porter. It's going to be a lower alcohol level. So in reality, I'm all, I'm all for that right now. I, I'm ready for having more sessionable ale. So like you, John, I'm hoping that is going to be the trend for 2016. We're going to see a lot more breweries not focused on making big beers, but making good quality, delicate, more delicate beers. And I agree too that, uh, that yeah, you know, the AB InBev acquisition is not going to stop. I'm predicting a minimum. Next year, five breweries, big brew, craft breweries will be taken over. And like you, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal. People are getting, you know, kind of numb to it now. It was outrage at first, but now people are, you know, craft breweries are, even when Lago, you know, when Lagunitas sees that it's not the end of the world if they sell half their brewery to a foreign entity, which I consider big beer, they can even do it. And he was one of the biggest proponents of that whole thing. Then I think that more and more brewery owners are going to see the benefits and they're going to jump boat. And hopefully it's going to be, it's not going to turn out bad. Hopefully they're going to still be able to produce the good beers. I haven't, I still have not had a bad beer from Elysian or 10 barrel or ballast point or, you know, any of these breweries that have, that, have, you know, taking money, uh, they're still producing good beers. So for me, it's going to happen. Same thing, Coors, Coors Miller, even though they're um, a little bit slower at it, they're going to have at least two more acquisitions this year. They're going to be probably at least seven to ten uh, breweries taking over. And with that being said, guess what? Uh, craft beer is actually going to lose market share. Why? Because now that the Craft Brewers Association says that you you know you can't be owned by a, a brewer, you know, more than 25% of a brewer that's, uh, that's not craft beer, they get taken out of the pot. And now we no longer have those bigger breweries adding to our barrel usage, and we're going to, you know, end up losing some market share. But in reality, the consumer's not losing. We're still getting good beer. So maybe they're going to have to maybe start uh, changing the way that they look at those those numbers. Yeah, and I think you hit on the one thing that I think is going to lend towards smaller outcries. That so far, uh, the beer is still good. Mm-hmm. The first time that you know a brewery is bought and everything goes sideways, you're going to see that outrage pick up again, um, and there's going to be a lot more skepticism with ever, the successive. Um, you know, purchases. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's the one thing I think that stands, could stand in the way of our, of our prediction of, on that end. Yeah. But, yeah. We'll see. But we, so far it hasn't happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to stay positive on the whole thing. All uh, right. Your Bourbon so, County Stout was a, and, and that's, what, product. that's what I was just going to say is that beer right there is an AB InBev product for years now. And that is a fantastic beer. You cannot tell me that that is not made with craft. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's a good quality beer. It's quality beer. So we need to maybe, maybe the craft beer term 
won't be necessarily associated with good beer. Maybe that has to be a separation. I mean, you know, there'll be craft breweries, but it doesn't mean that craft breweries are the only ones now that are producing good beer. Now they, you know, we got to have another name for for this uh, high-end beer. That's what AB InBev is calling it, right? Their high-end line. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Which says something about the rest of it, but that's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, since uh, we only had one question from a listener, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to raise a question to our listeners to either respond back in email, in uh, Facebook, on Twitter, or you know, text us, whatever you want to do. Let us know um, what your craft beer resolution is for 2016. What do I mean by that is, hey, this is a new year. And in your craft beer journey, you're always needing to kind of do a stretch goal or reach out and try to conquer something new, whether it's it's going into a new style that you don't necessarily like or, you know, you know drinking different beers that you don't like, whatever it might be. Um, what is your craft beer resolution for 2016? I asked this question on uh, Facebook, so just go to that, that uh, um, post on there and leave your comments or, again, Answer us on Twitter, however you want to do it. I'd love to know what your goal is for your craft beer journey this year. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be grand. It could be one little thing like drink more blonde ales or uh, try more stouts or uh, try sours or Belgians. You know, Chris McKenzie's resolution after he started listening to us was to, to go and try more Belgian ales, and now he's fallen in love with them. So what is your resolution? And, John, with that being said, do you have – a resolution for your craft beer journey for 2016. Uh, yeah, I was hoping that you would go. Oh, well, okay. First on this one. Uh, let me go. Okay, let me um, go first. Let me go first. Since since I didn't read your thing before, I got carried away. Um, <laughs> all right. So I have a I have three craft beer resolutions. Uh, they're they're not very difficult, right? The first one is I want to be able. I I personally want to attend more craft beer festivals and events this year. I went to about five last year. I want to double that in 2016. I want to go to at least 10 festivals or events this year. And they don't have to be big. They can be smaller ones like like the IPA Fest uh, Beer Wars I went to at Timberville. It could be small ones like that where it's not big or Oktoberfest. You know, it could be a small festival, but I want to at least do 10. That's my goal is to try to double what I did this year. My other one is I want to, you know what? There were three breweries that opened up at the, you know last year that I haven't visited yet in the Boise area. That's uh, that's ridiculous. It's a small area. There's no reason that I can't go and visit these breweries. And there's going to be more breweries opening this year. Uh, so my other resolution is I'm going to visit every single brewery that I haven't visited yet in the Boise area and you know drink their beers and do their samples and and visit. Them. I owe it to myself and I owe it to those breweries to go out there and try them. And they're breweries that I actually want to drink from, so why not just go do it? So I'm going to force myself to do that. And the last one I'll mention, which is going to surprise probably everyone, is I'm actually going to try and reduce my beer consumption uh, for 2016. And there's a few reasons why. For one thing, um, I'm not I'm not a spring chicken. I'm uh, I'm getting close to the old five uh, o half a century, and I'm finding that my body is having a little bit more trouble, um, you know, dealing with some of the the effects of uh, alcohol and beer. Not necessarily, you know, getting sick and stuff, but uh, one thing that I'm noticing is that 
uh, I might be having some early onset uh, uh, gout or joint uh, inflammation in my uh, in my hands and my and my body, uh, and I, and it might be I don't know if it is or not, but it might be related to um, you know to the 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 beer, and uh, so I, I need to to try to think uh, you know a little bit more that I don't need to consume as much to get enjoyment out of the craft beer that I'm drinking. So my goal is to try and reduce the amount of, of beer I drink uh, per week and and try to really uh, make it more so I'm savoring these beers and not just drinking them and trying to get to the next level and untapped or whatever, right? So, John, now that I explained mine, what are your New Year's resolutions? Yeah, so I had to put a lot of thought into this, and I yeah, – Initially, I was like, oh, there's got to be some kind of style or something that I should explore. But I pretty much hit all the corners, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, senior festivals, you know, that's something I'd like to get back to. Um, I only went to one, like, event slash festival this year. Um, wait, wait. The Great Pumpkin Beer Festival was the only one you went to? Sorry, two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt honored two. that you went to yeah. the only one you went to was with me, but. Yeah, t it's okay. So two, um, which is was down um, from previous years. And, you know, part of that is it's adjusting to, to a couple kids and, yeah. you know. Um, but as the boys grow up, it'll be easier for us to pawn them off on somebody else and go have some fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one thing I'd, I'd like to get back to to doing. Um, and we we only ever were around, you know, five or six things a year, and I'd be happy to get back to that level. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, similar to you, there there's a bunch of places that have opened up, um, some for a long time uh, that I've just never made it to locally. I've had a bunch of their beer otherwise, but I've never visited. Um, so that'd be nice. Um, but I think I'm going to capitalize on your reduced beer consumption and catch you in Untapped. Okay. Uh, I'm going to strive to close the gap. <laughs> I'm only I'm only 126 uniques behind you right now. Okay. Um, I'm at 1632, and you're at 1758. So we'll see. We'll see how those numbers look next in a year. year. Okay. Yeah. I think you can do it, John. I'll be pulling for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a you know if, if you reduce your consumption while increasing your festivals it's not going to be easy because you'll be getting a you know yeah tastings. small fours of a whole bunch of stuff yeah that's true <laughs> but that's true you know what uh i don't want them to say you gave it to me yeah you know yeah I just i gotta snatch it <laughs> all right hey i'll uh, hey those are those are great uh i mean hey i'll take those uh i mean you and i are in a similar Situa I mean, similar situation is the fact that that we have already pretty much gone through our beer journey as, as exploring beer styles and different beers and different regions. And I mean, I, one thing I could have added is I, I could have said I want to go and explore more on my Trappist, Belgian Trappist beers, right? Cause I've, but I've already done that. This last 50, 2015, I kind of already did that. I, I told myself I wanted to, to hit more of these Trappist Belgian beer breweries. Uh, beers and I have. I've made a, a a goal and I've I've closed the the gap on a lot of those beers and I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to continue doing that this year, but it, you know I wanted something that was uh, 
you know, unique this year. I heck, I picked three things that I want to try to do. I could have picked one and saved the other ones for the the next year. But hey, you know what? This it allows me to to go ahead and 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 broaden my horizon and think of something outside the box for next year when we do the same thing. So you got to keep thinking, you know, ahead for next year so you have something really unique. That's right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, now it is time for our Brew Buzz segment. And the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing all kinds of various beer-related topics. And for this week, we have chosen a topic that we have been hinting that we wanted to talk about for some time now, but we just haven't done it. And John and I, John said, you know what? Hey, we've been we've been hopping around this gluten-free, gluten-reduced topic for some time. Let's just bite the bullet. It's the new year. Maybe someone's New Year's resolution or their beer, craft beer resolution was to reduce their gluten, and they want to know about gluten-free beers, what they're all about, and what some good ones are. And so that's what we're going to bring to you this episode, all about gluten-free and gluten-reduced beers. John, I'm going to let you do the honors for most of this topic because you were kind enough to put it together for us. And I will jump in because I have a lot to talk about. So don't worry uh, about being <laughs> long-winded because I have uh, a lot of uh, different experiences on some of this stuff from my recent uh, experiences. So why don't you go ahead and jump in and let everyone know what uh, what all this gluten stuff is all about. All right. So uh, to start out, um, you know, Gluten itself, it's, it's a mixture of proteins that's found in wheat and, uh, you know, grain related to wheat, like barley and rye, which you'll recognize as things that are in pretty much all the beer that, yeah. that you drink. Um, so because those grains are used to, in the production of beer, beer also contains gluten. Um, so uh, gluten is, you know, Primarily a problem for those afflicted with uh, celiac uh, disease, which is an autoimmune uh, disorder that um, gluten uh, like tricks the body into like attacking itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, recently it's also become an issue for a lot of people who um, have been determined to be gluten sensitive, and uh, for some, it's a you know just irritable. you know, stomach or, or other issues. So, uh, you know, there's a renewed interest, you know, in, in not only beer, but food across the board mm-hmm. um, for, you know, gluten-free alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to jump in here um, just to give a little bit of personal experience on this whole gluten thing, because uh, up until uh, a year and a half, two years ago, I wasn't I wasn't all sure what this gluten stuff was all about until my wife uh, became sick, came really ill, and none of the doctors could figure out what it was. And it wasn't because of gluten necessarily that made her ill, but the gluten that was in her foods and in the beer we were drinking and in stuff wasn't helping her her system. And so what happened is her body um, started shutting down. I guess I should explain that uh, what what she had is she had a, an autoimmune disorder. Again, what John just said is that gluten in a celiac is actually autoimmune, where it where the body attacks itself, and and even a small amount of gluten can cause that the stomach to to react in violent ways and cause a lot of pain and um, you know and discomfort. My wife doesn't have that, but what she did have is she had um, another autoimmune disorder that the gluten 
didn't help the situation. So what gluten is, is it's actually inflammatory to your stomach. And um, it also can cause the stomach lining to deteriorate. And when your stomach lining deteriorates, it actually allows the stomach acids and the foods and stuff to, to leak out of your gut. And when it's leaking out of your gut and when the stomach lining and the acids aren't uh, able to do their job of breaking down food, there's a number of things that can happen. You're, you're not getting the nutritional value of the food that you need. And, of course, that, uh, that leakiness is actually poisoning your body. And that's what was happening to my wife is that the foods and stuff were leaking outside of her stomach and actually attacking the, the, the cells of her skin and muscles and stuff and going and, and, and causing a lot of pain and, and a lot of uh, skin issues and stuff. And none of the doctors knew what was going on. Uh, they just kept wanting to assign her to some other medicines and stuff that were even making things worse. And literally, if she wouldn't have found the doctor that discovered what her problem was, she most likely would have been dead two months after she started having these uh, these ef- effects on the outside of her skin. Um, very, very scary Um I, I mean, we've been working for two years now to try to build back up her immune system, to uh, to allow her to be able to take in regular foods and and uh, and and have her body be able to to not react. So what ended up being is that she didn't know that she was allergic, severely allergic to a lot of other foods, and what was happening is her body was fighting against those foods um, and causing her her uh, her stomach to be weakened. And when she was taking gluten in, that was just uh, affecting that even more. It was like it was like amping it up. It was like giving it a a shot of uh, of a energy drink just to you know make everything worse. So even though my wife is not allergic to gluten, she has to have very little gluten in her diet uh, in order to keep her system operating well. We're hoping that eventually. Um, she'll be able to add gluten in smaller doses back into her diet and her body will be able to handle it. But um, gluten is, can be a very serious uh, problem that people don't know about. And um, I'm finding as as myself, now my diet is mostly gluten-free only because, except for the beer, beer is my number one gluten consumption. But other than that, I eat very little gluten in my regular diet. And I'm actually starting to feel the effects of when I drink more beer that is got a little higher, you know, gluten content that uh, maybe it's affecting my stomach a little bit now. So that's another reason why I'm trying to cut back maybe this year and seeing, you know, that uh, now that I I don't have a lot of gluten in my system, uh, maybe I can't drink as much as I had before. So another little insight on this whole gluten free thing. So um, there may be a, a case where our listeners. Um, you may be having issues where you drink a beer and you start to have some irritable stomach or irritable things. Um, you might want to consider seeing if, if, if things get better when you take the beer out or trying some gluten-free options um, that we'll talk about here in the rest of the show. So now that we know what gluten is and what it can do to your body, and even if you're not a, uh, allergic to it, it can still affect you uh, very seriously. John, what exactly is gluten-free? Uh, so in the United States, uh, of course, we have a regulation on what's the definition of gluten-free, um, mainly for what how food can be labeled. Um, so when you go to a store and you see something labeled gluten-free, uh, you know you know what that means. And um, so uh, the FDA and the TTB and the TTB is what regulates uh, alcohol um, throughout the United States, beer, wine liquor 
Um, so they, they dictate what goes on the, those labels. Um, but, uh, they're, they basically have the same, um, definition. They, and actually reference the FDA in their definition, which is, uh, gluten-free food is food that has less than 20 parts per million gluten, uh, or is made with no products that contain gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you see something that says gluten-free, um, you know, there's minimal, minimal amounts of gluten, um, uh, or absolutely nothing in it. And, uh, for that, you may have to consult ingredient lists. Um, or it could be that it was processed in a facility that also processes, um, you know, products with gluten. So it could pick something up like trace amounts. Um, that could be where the 20 parts mm-hmm. comes in. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, in addition to gluten-free, there's also uh, gluten-reduced. So these are beers that can be produced with barley or other, you know, gluten-containing grains and still be labeled as a gluten-reduced beer. And uh, they're made uh, using an enzyme that breaks down the proteins that make up gluten uh, to get it to levels that are deemed acceptable under the law. But here's a catch, and... It seems that not everybody's on the same page as to whether the testing that's currently being done to show that these are, you know, now under the levels of like the 20 parts per million, if that the testing is uh, completely valid. And I think part of the fact is that the alcohol that's present can skew the results. Mm. So these beers um, won't be labeled gluten-free. It'll say that it was like crafted to reduce gluten or made to reduce gluten or something like that. And so, I mean, for example, new Belgium is uh, releasing a gluten reduced beer, uh, series called, uh, gluteny this month actually. Mm-hmm. And on their labels, it says crafted to remove gluten, mm-hmm. um, because they go through a process, you know, like this, that will, you know, break down those proteins just to make it, more palatable for for those that have issues. Yeah, and from what I've heard, just over the last few years, is this uh, has become more of a more of a thing. Is that not everyone will be able to drink these beers? Mm-hmm. Some people will be able to do it and have no problems. Others are going to have to stick to, you know, beers that are truly gluten free, made with nothing that contains gluten. Yeah, um, but the bad part is the only way to know is to try. Yeah. Um, so you gotta, you gotta go into it, um, knowing that you could have a great day or a really bad day. Yeah. So that's, that's the, d- the downside. But for those that only have minor sensitivities, it would open up a lot more options. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, this, that's ex- what you said, John, is exactly what Sarah went through. Um, at first, we had to be, when we were drinking the gluten free beers, uh, or gluten reduced, we had to be, we had to read everything very clearly. We had to go to the websites and find out how, what they used and the ingredients and what, and how it was done. If it was, it was, if it was removed using gluten, uh, gluten products or if it was totally gluten free. So the beer that we first started with was the omission beers. And we, we didn't realize at the time when we first started that, that those were actually the gluten reduced beers. And what Sarah found is, uh, she could have one of those beers and she'd be okay. But if she had any more than one of the omission gluten-reduced beers, she would start to feel uh, issues. 
uh, with it. I mean, so, so again, it's a, even with it being reduced to less, you know, 20 parts per million, there's still something in there that if she has more than one, she starts to feel little ill effects. And that may be the same with some of our, you know, listeners that, that try it. They may be able to get one down, but you might want to stop at one. Two might be too much. Or maybe you can do half of a beer instead of a full one. Or, you know, it might be a limit on the amount. And, you know, so those gluten-free beers that, that people really need. So what are those made of? We've we've had shows in the past talking about different malts. Um, so obviously those all need to be substituted out. The main grains uh, that will be used are millet, buckwheat, uh, sorghum, rice, and corn. Uh, I've seen mention of quinoa uh, being used as well, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but mostly in uh, homebrew. I haven't really seen much of that on a commercial scale. It seems millet and buckwheat are the big two players. And and, uh, and rice, there. brown rice too is a big one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, millet uh, is is a small seed of grass, and actually in the United States, it's mainly produced for use in birdseed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but for a beer, um, millet has a sweet flavor, but it can be kilned and roasted similar to barley. Yeah. Uh, so you can create that full flavor spectrum. Um, you know, crystal caramel malts, uh, different degrees of kilning on your base malt. Um, and you can even roast it, you know, kind of so to get a stout kind of thing. So th- this seems to be the, the most versatile. And, and as I was looking around, seemed most widely spread uh, or most widely used uh, grain, um, just probably because of its versatility in, in beer. <clears throat> and then the buckwheat, uh, which on the surface seems like it's a terrible thing to try to put in a gluten-free beer, but it's not actually related to wheat at all. It's not a grass, and it's actually related to rhubarb, which surprised me. But in terms of beer, uh, buckwheat can be used to increase the body uh, and head retention in a beer and can give a, a nutty character. I did find buckwheat that was roasted, uh, so for like a stout, uh, but that was the extent of kind of the kilning or roasting that I could find in in my my search for that. Hmm. So sorghum, uh, it's another grass uh, similar to millet. Um, worldwide, it's used for human and animal food, uh, alcohol, uh, and uh, biofuels. And an interesting uh, little trivia note for this is. Uh, when, when it's stressed by heat or drought, uh, the adult plants can actually contain toxic, toxic levels of cyanide. Yeah, sounds um, great. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure they check for that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for brewing, um, I've seen it most commonly, you know, provided or sourced as a syrup. And, you know, do that, it's it's been reduced to its sugars and, and can cause a thin body when when uses a large percentage of grain bill. Mm-hmm. And sorghum is actually, uh, at least from a homebrew perspective, the thing that's been around the longest as an option for mm-hmm. uh, gluten-free. And is actually part of the reason why I've never attempted one. Because it just, there weren't great, you know, reviews about the beers that were coming out, people were able to make with it. And largely because of, uh, of that thinness. And, you know, it just didn't didn't feel like a beer, didn't come across like a beer because the only things you could augment it with were other sugars, which will also thin the beer out. Um, and but it, it also has a, it has an, a, I don't know what, like a tangy flavor to it too, or it can add a, 
I don't know when sorghum when I have sorghum beers it it has this funky aftertaste to me when I when I have it. You know what that is, John? Is like a tangy like a tangy. Yeah, I'm not sure, but okay. I yeah. You know, the only thing I can say is that it it appears that the breweries that are having a lot of success right now with gluten free beers are not using sorghum. Yeah, yeah. I don't so like the that, sorghum ones. That should kind of tell you what you need to know about it. It may be on its way out. But at least for now, it was a large player in early uh, development, early gluten-free. Yeah. yeah. So the last couple grains or other products we've actually talked about before. So I'll just kind of quickly um, rice. Um, we talked about you know it'll lighten the body without adding a lot of flavor, and then corn, um, which we we've also talked about as lightening uh, the body. You know, in a barley malt based beer. However. Uh, when I was looking at this for gluten-free, it mentioned that corn would increase the body. And I'm wondering if that might be relative to the other gluten-free options for making beer or things like sorghum that are thinning it out. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe um, in comparison, corn isn't as light to gluten-free stuff as it is to malt or wheat, mm-hmm. uh, barley malt or wheat-based yeah, years, but uh, just you know, I, th- I thought that was interesting. Um, but I, I wouldn't expect much of it. I, I think the thing to look for now is millet and buckwheat. Yeah, I think those are the bit the big players. Um, and that's what people are having success with. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, now that we just told you what this gluten free stuff is all about in the ingredients, let's go ahead and give you a few beers to try. Now, these aren't all the beers you can find, but these are a few of the ones that I've had myself. Um, and that are, and I haven't had all of them, but I've had a n- good number of them. And, uh, and, and, and for the most part, they're pretty decent. And I'll tell you whether they're gluten reduced or gluten free and what the ingredients they did use mainly to uh, make it gluten free so you understand which ones they are. And I'll also at the end, I'll give you a website that's a great reference for people that are looking for reviews or information on gluten free beers, whether or not it's one you should try or not. Um, so the first one I already mentioned is from Widmere Brothers. They have a line of gluten-reduced beers called Omission. And this was the first gluten-reduced beer that was actually pretty tasty. Uh, we, before we found Omission, we had tried a number of other ones like New Planet and some, uh, which I'll talk about here a little bit later. Did I talk about New Planet? Yeah, the next one is New Planet. And, you know, some of these other ones, they didn't have that great a flavor. Uh, they just weren't all that enjoyable. But Omission, the IPA especially, they have a, a, a lager, a pale ale, and an IPA. And the pale ale and a lager are actually really decent beers um, that that uh, that are enjoyable. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I don't know, they're, they're not, uh, you know, they actually have a decent body and they have good flavor. And again, because you add hops to it, you know, a lot more hops to it, you're going to kind of cover up some of the, maybe some of the flaws that you might get from it. Um, but yeah, again, these are gluten reduced, so they're actually using gluten materials, but they're reducing it with a protein enzyme to to break down that gluten. Um, the New Planet Brewing, they have a pale blonde, a raspberry ale, a, a Belgian, an IPA, and a, and a light ale, and it is also gluten reduced. So uh, uh, they've been around for a long time, and uh, you can find them in probably most of the stores around the nation. I think they're one of the the widest distributed ones. So that's an option. Again, gluten reduced. If you want to try those in small doses, um, I can't 
rec- I haven't had all the new planet ones. I've had a couple of them, and I wasn't very impressed with them when we when we tried them. Um, the one that I did enjoy uh, is from Epic Brewing out of Utah. It's called the Glutinator. Uh, it's a gluten-free beer. It's using brown rice, millet, and sweet potato. Uh, and it's actually uh, an amber. I think it's an amber ale. I don't think. Uh, I think it's an amber ale. And uh, brown rice is is a material that is high in uh, sugar content. Uh, it's what uh, my wife is able to use to substitute for sugar and for corn syrups and things she can't she can't have because she's also found out she's allergic to corn, so uh, makes it difficult to you know to use things of corn. But um, so it has brown rice, which I think a lot of the good ones are also using the the brown rice as a sugar uh, additive. Um, to, yeah, to, that one seems to be common as well. Yeah. So the other one is one out of uh, Epic again is out of Utah. Uh, gr- the the next one is uh, a gluten free brewery. It's been around for a while, but they had a different name. They just recently changed their name from Harvester Brewing, which is uh, we first had them as Harvester. Now they have uh, their their brewery is called the Groundbreaker, and the reason why I think is is Harvester was a winery, and they were having a, a trademark issue with the winery so they decided to change their name from harvester to to the uh, groundbreaker and they have a number of beers but the ones that they they have most uh, available are is a pale a dark uh, a dark ale and an IPA and it is gluten free and they're using chestnuts and lentils is their main thing that's the first beer i've heard about using lentils which is uh, interesting uh, and chestnuts too, chestnuts. And I was mistakenly uh, years ago on the forty cast. I think I kept mentioning that that omission used chestnuts, and in fact, it wasn't omission. It was this brewery is the brewery in Portland that that used chestnuts. And I've had a number of their beers. In fact, the last beer I had um, was one of their special ones. It was the Saint Denny. Uh, um, what was it? I think it was a Belgian double. Uh, it was not bad. Uh, it wasn't my favorite Belgian double, <laughs> but it wasn't too bad. Uh, and I, I you like the name. I like the name is why I bought it. But <laughs> again, it was a, that was a 22 ounce bomber, and those you know those beers sell for nine bucks a bottle. So uh, that you know it's it's an option for people that can't have gluten. That if you want to have beer that um, you know that that is close enough to to those styles, that this brewery is pretty good. They make pretty good beers. And this is the one I just had a couple weeks ago. So it's, I mean, they're, they're, they release some some unique stuff. And one note is you do have to be very careful. You do have to read the in- ingredients on the bottles. And um, lucky enough that Groundbreaker is one of the ones that actually list the ingredients on the bottle. Because if you are allergic to other things, they do substitute materials. So, you know, if you can't have certain types of beans or um, or fruit, Make sure you are aware because uh, they'll put those things in to kind of give it more body or more flavor. And that's what my wife wasn't able to drink Groundbreaker because of the chestnuts. She can't um, have chestnuts. But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Groundbreaker. Um, and then the, the one that is my favorite of, of all. Now, it's very limited. Unless you're in the Seattle area, you're not going to be able to get this beer unless you order it through a third-party um, shipping company, which they do do. They do have a third party where you can order it, but it, the shipping is very expensive. And I, I'm still trying to get the funds up. You know, I'm trying to bite the bullet to, to order some of this from my wife, uh, so she can get some more, but it's ghost fish brewing. And that's the brewery that John and I 
visited when we were in Seattle this last summer. And they have fantastic beers, a lot of different variety of beers. But um, if you go to the brewery or you go to a pub that serves their beer on tap, you might be able to get a different varieties. But their their main staple of beers is a wit beer, a pale, an IPA, and a stout. And the stout and the IPA is a grapefruit IPA. Uh, those two beers, the stout and the IPA, those won gold medals in the GBAF this year. So... Um, they are very good, and you can order all four of those beers through a third-party seller um, that is on their website at ghostfishbrewing.com. Uh, the, they do deliver to about half the states, I think. There's probably 25, 30 states they deliver to right now. And uh, the shipping does have to be shipped to someone that's, you know, you have to have, be there on delivery. You have to have your ID. It shows you're over 21. They won't leave it unless you are there. And it's uh, it's about $20 to ship. So, uh, yeah, just be be weary that make a big order. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a $100 order, then the $20 is a small price, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Alternatively, you can buy me a plane ticket and I'll bring it to you. Okay. You know. that, yeah, that could work too. <laughs> um, and then uh, another one that is that that you've probably seen again around the nation in the the cooler is Greens Brewery. Uh, they have a number. It's a it's an English brewery, or at least I mean, sometimes I see it say it's Belgian, but I know the breweries are the the company's out of England, so I don't know the details. But they have a. They have both international beers that are gluten-reduced and gluten-free, but all the beers that they ship to the United States are certified gluten-free. Um, on their website, you can get detailed PDFs that show exactly all the ingredients that sh- prove um, that th- and also have their uh, certification that they do not have any gluten in them. Um, that's greens. They have a dry hop lager, an amber, an IPA, a double, and a triple. So you have a good variety of different beers. Now, you won't find all of those necessarily in, in your bottle shop, but you will be able to find the dry, pretty much the dry hop lager and the IPA, I think, are, are available um, in a lot of uh, markets. So uh, keep an eye out for that one. And again, those are using millet, buckwheat, and brown rice. And I, I didn't mention the ghost fish. They also use the, the millet, buckwheat, and brown rice. So the, the again, there's there's... Um, I mean, two two good breweries that use the same ingredients there. And then the last one I'm going to mention is not one that I recommend you go out because it's not going to be the highest quality. Um, but if you're if you're stuck and you don't have any other choice, AB Bev does have a product that is gluten free. It's called the Red Bridge Amber Lager. It's gluten free, but it does use sorghum and it uses corn syrup. And again. Uh, the corn syrup because I think they just wanted to have a lot of that corn, you know, sugar in there. Well, corn syrup is not good for you anyway. Um, I don't know. I've never had that one. You know, if you need to, give it a shot. Um, and again, that's going to be available pretty much in all around the nation and in almost all the supermarkets, I think. So gives you an option. Um, now, uh, there's a great resource that I found online. It's called the beer. It's from the beer diaries website and it's the gluten-free beer guide and it's kind of cool because 
these guys, they don't list every single gluten-free beer out there or gluten-reduced beer, but they have a good number of them and they have a little, they tell you what they're about, give them a little review, tell them what they're, you know, whether it's something you should try or, or you know, it's good or bad or whatever. Um, but it's a resource for you. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Find, you can go to our, uh, openformradio.com page and you'll be able to click the link right from the page there. It's probably the easiest way to, to get the link if you need it. But, uh, if you want a, a good resource to get information on whether you should try a, a certain gluten-free beer or not, they have a, a pretty decent guide in there that, that lists a lot of gluten-free beers and, and the review of them. Just for, you know, hey, we've been doing a kind of a themed tasting thing. And because we uh, are talking about gluten-free and gluten-reduced beers, we decided that we would go and do a tasting notes segment next episode on a gluten-reduced beer. We're going to do the one that's the easiest for John and I to find in our areas. It's the Omission, uh, the Wimmer Brothers Omission IPA. We're going to do the IPA version of the Omission beer. So... If you're curious about a gluten-free beer, go pick up a bottle and drink along with us as John and I give us give you our tasting notes of this beer. All right, we do have a couple news articles we'll talk about very briefly. They're not too too in depth. I mean, one's really quick. The other one might be a you know a little bit you know ten minutes if, at the most. But the first one we want to talk about is what John kind of mentioned when he was talking about our predictions for 2016 craft, and that is the Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, the day after John and I recorded, they were it was announced that they were acquired by AB InBev. And, uh, that, again, this is a, uh, one of the bigger breweries. I don't remember where they came in on the list. Like, Are they like – were they – I don't know. They're in the top ten, I think, right, or top – 11, 15 breweries. I, I don't think this article right. says where they I can't were, recall. but they're in the probably in, within the top 15 craft breweries as far as uh, numbers. And they uh, just a little. Uh, this article that I brought up didn't wasn't the one I, I read. Another one that that kind of gave some more in depth uh, information on what happened and and why that they decided to sell this company. But um, a or uh, Breckenridge just went through or is going through a major expansion uh, where they were going to, I think it was like a $6 million expansion of their brewery to, to increase production. And uh, they got some backers and they, it was all, you know, everything was good. And they were going through this thing to, to make this brewery a bigger entity. And uh, it just so happens that after the completion, which I think it, I think it might have just completed that expansion this last, last year, few months ago, um, the backers decided that they didn't want to be in big beer, you know, like in a bigger uh, industry. So they were going to start to back out their their support for uh, this project. And I think at that point, uh, Breckenridge was kind of forced to look at uh, other alternatives. And they weren't all on top. You know, they, at first they weren't too excited about, um, you know, AB InBev picking them up. But I think after they were talking to other breweries that had joined the high-end beer, uh, you know, uh, selection of AB InBev, that they felt more comfortable that that their beer wasn't going to change, their brand wasn't going to change, that things were going to kind of stay the same. They were just going to get all the benefits that John and I talked about about joining 
you know, a bigger beer company. They were going to get those distributions and those ingredients and all, they're going to get all that help. And they now will have a way of uh, financially supporting the expansion that they were, had just completed when their backers were uh, jumping out of that support. So um, it's interesting. I think, uh, I think Breckenridge distributes to 35 states currently. Um, it's funny. It's a Colorado brewery. And they, in 35 states, but you know what? They don't distribute to Boise, to Idaho, which is ridiculous. We're, we're close to them. They should be able to distribute to us. So now I'm hoping that I will be able to get some more, some Breckenridge beers in the Boise area now that AB InBev will start taking over the dis- distribution. That would be great. What do you think, John? Is, uh, you have any insight or any opinion on this? Uh, not really. I'm, I'm already not phased. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. It's again until the beer's bad. Um, well, I, I I also like you don't have to worry about buying Breckenridge. It doesn't come to Washington either. So. Okay. Okay. It doesn't come um, to you or me, and that's that's funny. Yeah. So uh, you know, but it, this is another one of those cases similar to um, you know Tony McGee with with Lagunitas that. You know, previously the owner was very, very outspoken about other breweries being snapped up and yeah. things, and uh, how the tables have turned, and that yeah. that was a big part of the narrative. Um, but uh, you know, they decided this was the way to go. So uh, you know, kudos to them for for building a business that was desirable and and being paid for it. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. All right, yeah, we'll see how it, how it pans out. And again, another. A uh, big craft brewery taken out of the craft market uh, numbers. So we'll see how it goes. All right, that's we just wanted to mention that that happened the day after we recorded, so we weren't able to add that into our last episode. But now you guys know if you didn't know before. All right, our next article, our last article for this episode is uh, coming to you from craftbeer.com, the uh, the Brewers Association uh, blog, and this is. This article was uh, is labeled "Craft Beer and Your Health," and uh, you know there's been a lot of things back and forth whether you know the the health benefits and the goodness of beer in your diet and how it can help help your body. Um, but you know what? There's also some negative aspects, and this article I think does a pretty good job of just kind of highlighting some of the health benefits that. You might get from drinking beer, and of course, some of the dangers of over appreciating your beer, drinking too much of it. You know, because any too much of anything is a bad thing. You know, you just don't want to overdo it, and, and that's what this article kind of talks about. I guess we'll just go ahead and just list. A, we'll just go through a couple of these health benefits. It says there's a decreased risk of weight gain gain among women in, uh, who drink moderately compared to those who don't drink at all. Uh, wow, so. Seems kind of uh, backwards to me that that drinking beer would actually have a reduced amount of weight gain. But hey, if if they say in women, now I don't know why. It means if if women are drinking beer, what I mean, what are they substituting it for? Maybe is that is that what's going on? Or instead of uh, drinking something else that might contribute to the gain weight gain, this doesn't. I don't know. I don't know if that's really uh, yeah, true or not. I I don't know. It's curious. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, you know what? What is cool is that hey, decreased risk of hypertension. We could all use that, right? I, I know I could use that's Maybe that's why I'm not as uh, you know tense and stressed as other people. Is I, 
you know, enjoy a good beer here and there. Also, decreased risk of cardiovascular disease among healthy men, men who have had, uh, oh, and among healthy men, men who have had heart bypass surgery. Well, I don't know. This is weird. And among drinkers Very specific with type, groups. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you only get these uh, reduced risk if you already have a bad heart. <laughs> uh, or healthy. Or, or you're healthy. healthy. Okay. Okay. But if you're All somewhere right. in the middle. <laughs> you're in trouble so here's something that's interesting beer is a rich source of silicon which plays a role in increasing bone mineral density and may help prevent osteoporosis now I thought silicon oh wait silicon versus silicone <laughs> yeah, so that's that, it's different yeah. isn't it although beer does give some men uh, man breasts it's man, yeah. different <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Um, decreased risk of heart failure, especially for moderate consumers. So if you are a moderately con- moderate consumer, you can reduce the risk of heart failure. Um, now, this is interesting. Consumption of alcohol is associated with lower risk of arthritic conditions and lowers the risk and severity of rheumatoid arthritis. Now, I was just telling you that I've been sensing um, – Kind of a little bit of a, um, uh, a little bit of joint fatigue and joint pain when when I, you know, sometimes when I drink, but they're saying that it maybe it's not related to the beer, which is interesting. Consumption of alcohol can help lower your cholesterol by raising your high density levels. Now that's BS because I drink a lot of beer and my HDLs are always low, so I don't know if that's true. Decreased risk of diabetes by roughly 40% compared to abstainers. Okay. That's a pretty good uh, 40%. That's pretty good. Uh, Oh, and a little surprising, to be honest. That that is surprising. Um, I wouldn't have thought it was that. I mean, literally, 40% compared to abstainers. So if you don't drink at all, they have a 40% higher risk of. of having diabetes. So. I wonder if that also goes back to the what would what are you drinking yeah, instead? Yeah, that's you know, true. If you're drinking yeah. like a bunch of soda, soda or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. Very good point. Um, here's one that um, is not working for me. Decreased risk of Alzheimer's uh, disease, particularly in female non-smokers. So I guess it only affects female non-smokers. But yeah, that's I, that's why you haven't noticed. I swear my memory is getting worse and worse every day that goes by. That's another reason why I need to maybe reduce my beer intake. If, but uh, uh, also a decreased risk of poor cognitive function for men and women. Uh, I, you know, I do have pretty good cognitive function for my age. Feel pretty good with that. Um, decreased risk of osteoporosis by increasing the bone mineral density. We already talked about that with the silicon. Increases absorption of dietary fiber. Now that's good. That's maybe that's another reason why I'm pretty regular. Like, you know, when I do, <laughs> when I do drink, my fiber is readily absorbed instead of, uh, not. And then here's the, uh, hops contain xanthohumol which can be found to have significant anti-cancer activity in liver cancer cells and also in colon mucoso. Mucoso. Mucosa. Mucoso? I don't know. Mucoso, yeah. All right. (laughs) Hey, you know what? If I can have less liver cancer, uh, then that's great. That's great. All right. Well, so those are the positive things. Now, 
whether we believe them all or not, I don't know. There were some of those were kind of vague. Um, the the one I liked the most was that forty percent uh, decreased risk of diabetes. I kind of like that. So, but uh, now, um, so that they've been saying that in moderation. Most of those most of those things said in moderation. So what is moderation? Uh, moderate consumption is one to two drinks per day. So keep consider that moderation. If you drink more than two, you're probably excessive you know, drinking versus moderate drinking. So one or two a day, that's seven to 14 a week. That's a pretty good amount of beer, right? I don't, I'm not going to complain if I get 14 beers a week. So, um, so yeah, I can still drink moderately and, and have a good buzz going. Um, let's see. So here's some of the risk if you are using excessive. So if you're drinking more than two beers a day, you of course can, have alcoholism. That's pretty pretty obvious. You can also have cancer. It says for every study showing the benefit of moderate alcohol consumption, there's another showing that certain that there's a risk of certain types of cancer increase with consumption of alcohol. These include oral cancer, hormone dependent forms of breast cancer, and possibly stomach cancer. Wow, so I say she go excess. And again, um, maybe some of that stomach stuff might be related to the gluten in there if you're drinking excessive amounts of beer. Maybe that's playing a, a part in there. And maybe the breast cancer is part of that men's growing bigger boobs from all the hops you have in the, there too, so be careful. <laughs> uh, it says diabetes, insulin dependence, and metabolic syndrome, um, where moderate consumption actually lowers the risk of diabetes compared to non-drinkers. Heavy alcoholic consumption increases the risk of diabetes. Again, you're get, you know the more of the sugars and stuff you're putting in there, the of course the higher it's gonna it's gonna be because your body's not gonna be able to burn all that stuff off. Again, here's one for towards women: uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Doctors aren't sure how much alcohol, if any, a pregnant mother may safely consume without placing her baby at risk. For this reason, the current U.S. health policy advises women who are pregnant or trying to become pregnant against drinking any alcohol. All right, keep that in mind. We still don't. I will not drink alcohol when I'm pregnant next I, time. I won't either. All right, um, gout, and uh, this is a problem I've heard about. Uh, you, you know, and I guess uh, I don't know the whole science behind it, but I guess there's, uh, and maybe you do know, John. There's a there's something in the beer that uh, uh, that uh, crystallizes in the joints that causes uh, something to crystallize in your joints and can cause pain. When you drink uh, too much um, beer, and it, again, it, I think it comes from the grains. Um, it's some kind of a, a protein or something that can crystallize, and if you drink too much, you'll start to get uh, pain in your in your joints. And I think they say gout mostly affects your like your feet, uh, your your big toe, uh, but I don't know. It might affect your. For me, it, I'm thinking it might affect my. My hands. I'm not I a have gout. No idea. Yeah, I'm not a gout expert, <laughs> so I have to look that up. All right. Um, another um, danger is a hangover. Yeah, uh, I don't need to explain what a hangover is. We all know what that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, heart attack among men and women. That can be if you excessively drink. It can instead of helping your heart, it can cause you to have a heart attack, and it can even cause heart failure. Wow. So, uh, you know, moderate drinking for sure. And then, of course, pancreatitis, 
pancreatitis. 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 There you go. What John said among heavy drinkers. Um, psoriasis. Wow. Did you know that drinking, uh, maybe drinking alcohol in general can cause psoriasis, but, and then stroke. Um, when drinking is heavy, more than six drinks per day or at a binge level and in the two hours immediately following consumption of alcohol. So you could have, uh, um, yeah, you have a stroke. That's some bad stuff. So that's, that's the article. It just kind of wants to let everyone know it's, it's the beginning of the, the new year and it's just it's kind of nice to have a, a article that you know shows you hey there's some benefits to it but hey keep it moderate don't overdo it um, those benefits quickly can turn to negatives if you overdo it so yeah that, this article was uh, posted by our buddy Chris McKenzie on our Facebook page so go check it out there's a link on there all right John guess what uh, we have been speaking for almost two hours. Our poor listeners are probably getting bored to death of us. So let's go ahead and close this episode out. But before we do that, let's take the opportunity to raise our glass to some people we want to toast this episode. Yeah, so I'm going to raise my glass to uh, Matt over at the 40 cast. We talked last episode about his uh, winter ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't uh, you know, drinking quite the way he had hoped. Um, but I heard from him, uh, just, uh, in the last couple of days and, uh, the beer has improved. Um, oh, good. just letting it sit a bit, uh, it's now, uh, much more enjoyable. It's cleared up. Uh, so he's, he's actually enjoying drinking the beer. Um, and, uh, so, you know, my, my advice helped if he even listened or if he just, you know, ignored it cause it wasn't turned out, turning out right. But either way, he's got some good beer now. So, uh, cheers for that. And, uh. You know, always good to have a success story. Yes, yes. And it didn't take long for it to get better. That's good. Yeah, I think it was all the keg jostling from trying to get it to pour. But, uh, yeah, so he's he's good to go now. Good, good. That's it? That's it. He Just caught me on a sip because okay. I was done. <laughs> no problem. All right, all right. Okay, well, I have a couple. I always have a couple. I want to first raise my glass to Jason over at First Person Clothing dot com um, for his fantastic uh, shirts and and all kinds of he's got some some um, Star Wars and some superhero Marvel DC video game remember some really good quality great shirts that he sells shirts and other accessories for men and women um, all kinds of great stuff he I you know I actually won a shirt from him earlier in the in the summer and uh, I went and bought a shirt for my wife this uh, for Christmas it's a wonder what my wife my wife is a huge for one thing my wife is kind of like the geek in the in the relationship I'm a geek too but she's like the the comic book superhero sci-fi geek she loves everything superhero and everything start you know space wise and uh, she loves Wonder Woman her favorite superhero uh, absolutely loves Wonder Woman so I bought her this nice, classy Wonder Woman uh, T-shirt, and I was I, because you know women can be so sneaky. I didn't open the package when it arrived. I left it, you know, sealed, so I knew if she was uh, being a little sneaky. And <laughs> I went to open it the day before Christmas to uh, to go ahead and wrap it. And uh, I was opening. I looked. I said, like, "Oh, that's a nice shirt." And I I noticed that there was kind of a weird like like I'm looking I'm like wow what's why is it green on one side and I'm, I'm like what's so I open it up 
and I pull it out, and there's two shirts in there. One is the shirt I ordered for Wonder Woman. The other one was a first-person clothing logo T-shirt as a gift from Jason to me just for being, you know, a cool guy. Because I always, uh, you know, I always uh, retweet his stuff and try to promote his his uh, shirts because I really think he's doing a great job. So I want to raise my glass to Jason for not only providing great products out there, and I recommend everyone going out to firstpersonclothing.com and check out his wares, uh, reasonably priced and really good quality stuff. Um, and then for throwing in that extra shirt just because he's a cool guy and wanted me to, you know, show some love for the support that, that we provide him. So the least I can do is to support him on our show and, and uh, give him a little plug. So go out there and check it out. And the other thing is, is like, you know, John already mentioned the 40cast with Matt, but you know what? Open Forum Radio Cast and 40cast just got done doing a drunk cast, their annual drunk cast. And what a fun, fun podcast to, to listen to. Two great shows combined to one, drinking and, you know, and having fun. Uh, I just want to raise my glass to those two, two drunken shows uh, for their recent release. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, also, another couple podcasts, The Flexopposed and That's Entertaining Podcast. They both released some fantastic Star Wars uh, shows this the end of the year. And I really enjoyed their uh, their take on the on – the, uh, the, like, they did a pre-show before The Force Awakens came out, and then they did a post-show after it talking about everything, and I, I really liked it. And, John, I know that you went and saw – I went and saw the, the show uh, – the day after Christmas, I know you went to go see the show too. What what was your thoughts on Star Wars? Did you enjoy Star Wars: The Force Awakens? I did. It was entertaining. It was you know what you expect from Star Wars. Um, a, a lot of recycled material. Yeah, <laughs> say it that way. Um, which you know it's fine. Uh, it'd be nice to see a little more original stuff, I guess. Um, but then of course you run the risk of tanking the movie and <laughs> nobody liking it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I wasn't disappointed. I know there were a lot of people that were really upset about how all the similarities to some of the previous movies. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not in that camp, but, uh, yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, okay. So. Yeah, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, too. I didn't look at any of the previews. I didn't read anything. I didn't want to know anything about it. I wasn't all that hyped before it. And the reason that I was trying to keep my hype down was because I was so hyped for the, the prequels that, and I was so disappointed that I didn't want to know how that turned out. (laughs) I, I didn't want to get that hype again. So what I did is I went into it as a blank slate and I, I went in there and I was thoroughly enjoyed what it did is it brought me, even though you're right, it, it's kind of some recycled story, but it brought me back to my childhood in 1977 when I sat in the theater and I watched the original as a kid. This brought me back to that experience and that I appreciated. It was well done, well directed, well acted. Uh, I love the new heroine. Um, I think, you know what? I loved, you know, my hero in the originals was Luke Skywalker. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people like the, the, you know, Darth Vader and the Emperor and whatever, all that stuff. Um, I was always the good guy. I've always been a good guy kind of thing. So Luke was my guy. You know what? Um, Ray, the new, 
the new uh, you know hero in in this upcoming story she stole my heart uh just just fantastic i really enjoyed that character and her acting was incredible and the show was funny and uh you know what i really really enjoyed it and and probably you know i'm going to say that right now uh it's probably my favorite star wars right now you know i i really have a heart a warm place for the originals but uh you know this one just kind of renewed it and it's kind of like a, to me it's like a an upgraded original all right well hey i want to shout out this podcast for jason lacy and uh lucas rose and Nathan, to, hey, you guys did a great job in those podcasts. So go out there, find those podcasts, and listen to them if you're a Star Wars buff. All right, I want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting the show. Uh, they provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And uh, without their support, we wouldn't be able to put this content out to you all you guys. So go out there, check out all the other great podcasts you can find at openforumradio.com. I also... Got to do uh, raise my glass to all of our servicemen and women out there. Uh, thank you for protecting our freedoms. Uh, please come home safely uh, to your families. I look forward to that. I raise my glass to you. Just a reminder, uh, for our next episode, we will be tasting the Widmer Brothers Omission IPA. So go out and grab a, a bottle. Don't necessarily grab a six-pack, but grab at least one bottle just so you have something to taste, because in case you don't like it, I don't want you to be stuck with something you don't like. But, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you guys think of this beer after we get done doing our tasting notes on episode, what, 40? 39? 39. 39. Okay, good. All right, and if you'd like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft, and you can leave comments on the show post at openforumradio.com or on Google+. Plus, Just search for Tap to Craft. And, of course, I've already mentioned it once or twice. We do have a Facebook community page, so go visit our page at facebook.com slash tap to craft. You can like our page, and you can go ahead and get our updates, and you can comment, interact with us, and uh, be a part of the show. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and on Tap at Loose Screw, and on Google+, Plus at Denny Loose. And, John, if our listeners want to interact with you, on social media, how can you do that? Uh, Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped Prime WA, and I'm actually currently writing um, about homebrewing and beer over at homebrewengineer.com. So get it while it's hot. Excellent, excellent. Learn about that uh, conical fermenter that you just purchased. I can't wait to read that those articles. All right, it's last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show. We hope you were able to find something useful. I think you found a lot of things useful, actually. And we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and hopefully soon, Google Play. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. Want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, 
My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com, links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and uh, take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. All right, folks, take it easy. Have a good day.